The day has finally arrived. I'm deep diving the most likely position that the Vikings will take at pick number 12, the cornerbacks. We'll talk about Sauce, Stingley, and a whole bunch more here on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from, from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off of $500. Use code Locked On at check out. Today, big day, cornerback day. Look, the draft is tomorrow, and I kind of wanted to put this off to the last minute so that um, we could kind of talk about this with the draft right in sight, have it really, really fresh in our minds for the actual day, because there is a very high likelihood that one of the six players that I will discuss today is a Minnesota Viking. I'd actually be pretty surprised if none of them were. So let's dive into them. I'm going for six. I said yesterday I'd go for seven or eight. Uh, didn't make it. Um, so so let's dive in right after I, I forgot to tell you my plan for this week and this weekend um, and where you can find me and stuff. You can find the ultimate mock draft uh, on Odyssey. That is all up. I picked twice in that. Two first rounders, baby. Um, that's all of us locked on hosts got together. There's analysis from like Michael Irvin and Jason Lockham for and all sorts of cool people. You can find me on locked on live, um, which will be on the locked on NFL YouTube page and on kind of a spattering of a whole bunch of other live shows and, and podcasts around Vikings world. Um, you will be able to find locked on Vikings shows all the way up through the week as usual. So I'll have a Thursday show. I'll have a Friday show recapping Thursday night. We'll have a Saturday show recapping Friday night, a little bonus Sunday show recapping Saturday and day three and a show the next Monday recapping undrafted free agency, sort of wrapping the whole thing up. And then, uh, I'm going to take a week off. So kind of get most of next week a little early where we go through the weekend, um, but otherwise, then my voice and my brain are going to need some time off because this takes a lot out of me. So uh, basically eight podcasts in a row. This is the third of them. And we're going to have a show every morning recapping the last day of the draft and, and an undrafted free agency one. Okay, plugging, shilling, all out of the way. Let's talk about the corners. Today I am going over Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, obviously, uh, Andrew Booth, Trent McDuffie, Kair Elam, and... Kyler Gordon. I wanted to get into Roger McCreary and Kobe Bryant. Didn't get there. And I kind of want to deep dive these guys a little bit. So we have a little time. We can take our time and really talk about them. But the first one in Sauce Gardner is a pretty easy eval. (laughs) It's just kind of like really plainly good. And that's why he's so popular because there's just no mistaking him. There's nothing to overthink. There's just no flaw. Like that is what everybody says. It's like this kind of almost jarringly boring tape where he just is really on everybody all the time. But there are things that he does to to get there, and that's, I think, what frustrates me a lot about cornerback analysis is there's a lot of, well, he's sticky in man coverage. Okay, how did he get sticky, right? How did he win position? How did he win off the line? How did he avoid, you know, getting beat by that release and stuff? And um, I don't know. I, I, when I watched Sauce, Sauce's tape, my initial reaction was, holy Christ, like, he's just insane. 
This tape is nuclear. Um, it's it's just completely insane, and I can't really hype it up enough. Um, so part of what makes him sticky is that he has really good instincts, and you can tell he's feeling, not thinking, in the best way. Um, that he's, you know, he can just sort of sense when it's going to break. He can see, okay, the, the wide receiver's sinking in his hips. Now it's time to attack. Um, he's a very, very physical jammer at the line of scrimmage. So he's, like, very good at, at, you know, knocking you off your timing, that kind of thing. And he's very, very aggressive about it. He doesn't play afraid of anything. And as a cornerback, that might just be the most important thing. He is not afraid of anything. Um, and he just has this, like, absolutely infectious swagger, you know? He's sauce, right? He's got a chain with his name on it, that kind of thing. It's the sort of thing that brings a little juice to a locker room, I think. I think it's a really, like, positive locker room influence. It reminds me of the influence Stefan Diggs had when he was here, that he would just get people excited, and he had this electricity that just rubbed off on everybody around him. Um, and he did that at Cincinnati, too. So it's just, it's just, it's hard to oversell. I think both he and Derek Stingley can be like shadow corners, which is insanely valuable. Guys that you can just plop them on with sauce. You can plop him on everybody's wide receiver one, everybody's superstar. This dude should be able to island up all of them. I think that's what you're getting. And that's why I've said, I've said on the show in the past, and I still believe it even after watching tape on all these guys. If I picked one overall in this draft, kind of no matter what my team was, Sauce Gardner would be my pick. If I if I ran the Jaguars, I'd be picking Sauce Gardner. If I ran the Lions and the Jaguars took like Trevon Walker or whatever, I would pick Sauce Gardner. If I ran the Texans, I would pick Sauce Gardner. Although right now, Derek Stingley is the odds-on favorite to go third overall, which is very interesting. Um, so look, if you wanted to nitpick, Sauce has mild grabbies. He's a little bit grabby. He'll get some holding penalties at the next level. That'll, I think, get ironed out over time. Um, but like, look, he's a, he's a completed product. His feet do what they're supposed to do. His eyes do what they're supposed to do. His hips are fluid. His instincts are good. He knows what he's looking at. He has the route recognition, the pattern recognition. He trusts it so he can go make those aggressive plays when it's appropriate. Athleticism's great. He's six foot three. He's long. He has the arm. Like there's just, there's no hole. He just, he has everything that you could ever want in a corner. And if you made one in a lab, it'd be this guy. And if you gave him the perfect corner's brain, it'd be this guy. It, look at him. He's good. That's my analysis. My my comp for him is uh, the Madden creative player you would make that is your own avatar that you wanted to be a superstar. <laughs> like, he's just perfect. Um, let's move on to Derek Stingley, though, who's a much more interesting prospect and somebody that was probably the most popular guy to be mocked to the Vikings through this whole draft season. And now it looks like he's not going to make it to the Vikings. So, I think we all know, and if you didn't, his freshman tape is absolutely insane. Um, but okay. So what's good about it? Everybody, his freshman tape is one of the best cornerback seasons we've ever seen. And it was from an 18 year old and that was super, super exciting. So what was good about it? And to me, what jumps out is uh, a big one is his ball skills and specifically his discipline for like when to look right, when to turn his head, where his eyes are supposed to be. When you're tracking a ball in the air, you know, if you're in good position, you're in your, your wide receiver's pocket and it's a go route and the quarterback just throws up the 50-50 ball, you don't want to turn your head too early. He'll run away from you. You turn your head too late, he catches it in your face. Um, so you have to use the wide receiver. You have to keep your eyes on the wide receiver and it's kind of like look it outside in, right? Eyes on the wide receiver to the outside and then turn around and look inside to where the ball is. Um, and he's he's really good at that and he's gotten better at that too. Um, he's... I think to me what jumps out, he's a very patient corner in a, and in a very good way. He's very content to sit back, let you declare what you're doing. There's a lot of soft press and there's a lot of read steps, which are basically just tiny little shuffles where you don't back off too much. You don't jam or anything. You just sort of 
shuffle your feet a little bit and you are just watching. You're just watching the wide receiver do what he's going to do and you get information and then you can react to it. But that is kind of how Devonta Smith got his goat. So back in 2019 championship LSU season, Devonta Smith absolutely torched Derek Stingley, got a bunch of touchdowns on him, beat him inside a ton. And I think what happened there is he took advantage of those read steps where uh, he would, you know, kind of be sitting there reading, reacting, and Devonta Smith just exploded off the line to the inside. And Devonta Smith, very good wide receiver, has that explosion to really take advantage of that. And so Stingley was a little too patient. And that's going to be where he gets got at the next level, I think. Um, and I think it just means you have to be a little bit more aggressive sometimes. He's just a little too responsible. He's like the main character in a manic pixie dream girl rom-com who, who needs, who's a little too uptight, you know, and needs some, some blue haired, uh, Zoe Deschanel character to, to unlock his inner desire to be a kid again, you know? So he, he also has like tiny mild grabbies. A lot of these corners do coming out of college. It's not a huge deal. Um, so then 2020 and 2021 happened and those seasons were just not as good. The freshman year was unbelievable. I nitpicked it a lot, um, but it was unbelievable. And then 2020 came and it was COVID and it was a three game season and he kind of didn't do a lot. He was playing through a little bit of a toe injury. And then 2021, he had a Liz Frank injury, another foot thing. So he was playing through injury for all of that. And a lot of people thought, well, did he get bored? Does he have no motivation? That kind of thing. What's good is that the Vikings have the Coat, the defensive coordinator from 2020. Durante Jones was an LSU D coordinator in, or in 2021. Um, so he was there. He saw it. He saw Derek Stingley go. And um, so if anybody's going to know, it's him. He was right there. Great source of information. So I feel pretty good about their ability to discern that. But I'm not worried about his motivation. The dude played through an injury. Like, he gutted out an injury. And the injury is probably going to cause... Uh, bad play more than like, and I'm, I'm going to blame an injury way before I ever blame a player's effort. Um, and it makes sense, right? If you don't have, if you have a hurt foot, you're not going to have your speed. And if you don't have your speed and the athleticism that Stingley has, where he has, you know, he ran a four, four, one at his pro day and he might not even be a hundred percent at that. Um, so that like, that's the speed that he trusts. And the reason he can play as patiently as he does is because he can trust that speed. Um, so he, he needs to, there's some ways to go here. Um, he can keep playing that patient way. I don't think that turns into the best corner in the world because NFL wide receivers are going to be able to do what Devonta Smith did to him. And I think with his smarts, with his know-how, um, I think he can survive that way until he gets better explosion and better, um, instincts and, and better technique and stuff. And he just sort of polishes up to a pro level of play instead of a really good college player level of play. And I think he can survive that way, or you can get him to try to play instinctively and try to sort of get, give him that dog mentality that Sauce Gardner has and play more feeling instead of thinking. Um, that is a di more difficult path with perhaps a better corner on the end of it. And so, so it kind of depends on where his coach wants to go with him. Um, you know, do you want him to be this patient corner that might lose to some slant routes, but otherwise will be really good at manning a guy up? Or do you want him to maybe achieve a, another level of nirvana? But to do that, he's going to have to start playing on instincts before those instincts are developed. And you might have a period in the middle where, where he struggles a lot. And it kind of depends on kind of how your position coaches view him. So those are kind of the two main guys. And to be honest, I don't think either of them are going to make it out of the top 10. So you'd have to trade up for them. I would trade up for Sauce. I wouldn't trade up for Stingley. Um, and that is, that Sauce is the only guy I would trade up for in the cornerback room this year. Um, so I got four more guys to talk about, and I really want to make sure I deep dive them and, and get that, do them 
justice. Um, but you should, you know what you should do? You should do your mama justice. It is Mother's Day coming up. And what better time to mark Mother's Day than with something enduring. Classic diamond stud earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, birthstone pendants, so much more. You can find all of that stuff at BlueNile.com. This Mother's Day, give mom something she will be able to treasure forever from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Vikings listeners get $50 off of $500. That is a podcast exclusive that's only good through Mother's Day. Use code LOCKEDON, that's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, and plus every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Thanks again for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Make sure you check out the Ultimate Mock Draft, just search Ultimate Mock Draft wherever you find your podcast. Check out Locked On NFL on YouTube where you can find me doing live stuff. And make sure you check in to Locked On Vikings on the weekend because I'm going to be doing shows all weekend throughout the draft. Make sure that you guys are all covered. Let's move on. The next guy I want to talk to you about is Trent McDuffie out of Washington. He is the hardest eval for me because playing at Washington did, I think, a number on his scouting tape. Um, and it's just the way Washington plays. They use a very bail heavy cover three. And what bail is, it's press bail. So you line up in a press alignment, you get right up in the wide receiver's face, and then you immediately bail out. And the idea of it is um, that it gives you the ability to kind of disrupt timing. A lot of times that means they'll have to use a step or two to release if they see press. Also, if they see press, the quarterback might make a different read. You might get the ball to go elsewhere just by virtue of lining up in press, and that can be valuable. Um, and then you bail out, and if you have good bail technique, you can bump and run to be right in the wide receiver's pocket, even though you didn't give yourself any cushion or any head start, so you didn't give yourself anything on an off, off coverage. You can kind of get the best of both worlds. You get the coverage ability of being an off coverage and the disruptive ability of lining up in press. They use that really, really, really heavily. And McDuffie is really, really, really good at it. He's, his press technique is awesome. He explodes backwards off the line. He gets his hips turned really, really quickly. Um, and he's like with you. He has a very frenetic vibe. He's a very tenacious looking corner. And honestly, I think he's his frame. He's a smaller corner. And that means he takes a lot of like littler steps. And I think that's a good thing too, because it gives you some agility, gives you more control over when you're going to plant and break and explode off. Um, so it's, it's flexible, I guess, footwork. Um, and he has just insane pattern recognition. I mean, this is one of the headier corners we've seen come out of college. He knows what he's looking at. He knows how to adjust defenses. He knows how to take advantage of route concepts. He knows when to come off of this and go attack that. Um, and he's very confident in it. And he's got a great quick trigger downhill um, when it comes to like blowing up screens and stuff like that. It's very well suited for the increasing complexity that is going into NFL defenses. These match concepts can get really complicated with a lot of rules, and these young guys can struggle a lot. And I think McDuffie, you can just load it all into his brain, and he's going to do great. Um, he's very useful in run support. He triggers down. He's willing, but he's small, and he plays like he's small. I, I think it's okay. He might get bullied on fades and stuff. Um, I think I, I informally compared him to what if Mike Hughes was good. <laughs> that's kind of like where he landed for me. Um, but here's where I think he is. I think his best role. So like, how do you use that? Right. I haven't seen him like press or jam a lot, like two hand punch, really get aggressive a lot because that's just not how Washington played. And he's got really good bail technique in cover three where you're playing a deep third zone and you've got to get back to it, but also line up and press. And he has that athleticism. Um, and so 
For me, the ideal landing spot for Trent McDuffie would be in a Zimmer-style man-match cover seven defense. I talked about this a little bit yesterday in the mailbag. Man-match cover seven defense as the apex, which is a very mentally strenuous position. Um, it looks like slot corner. It lines up like a slot corner. It's not Nikhil Roby Coleman. It's a much more involved job that involves deep coverage a lot and a lot of pattern recognition and all this stuff. And I think he would be so good at it. He has to learn it and he has to, I think, change the technique a little bit. He can't play press bail as committed as he does. Um, but I think that's just something he does because it's Washington. I, I don't think that's difficult to coach out of him. I think you just have to say, oh yeah, you know, maybe don't explode backwards off the line quite as much. You'll die to a slant if you do that in the slot, right? So I don't know if that's, and that's not the Vikings, right? That would be a different team. If he came to the Vikings, he would play probably just be a press bail corner. And like, you can make a living as a press bail corner in a man corner. You can be, that's Josh Norman. That's, I mean, Josh Norman is one of the better corners we've seen in a long time. And he basically lived in press bail and Trent McDuffie can probably follow in those footsteps. Nobody's saying he's going to be as good as Josh Norman. That dude's awesome. But um, you can kind of follow in those footsteps maybe and, and try to be that guy. So I think, and, and zone match is great. He's good at zone match and the Vikings will run zone match or rather he has the skill set to be good in zone match um, and the Vikings can do that. So it, I don't think he's a bad scheme fit for the Vikings or anything like that, but I think he's a better scheme fit somewhere else. So I think another team should value him high, more highly than the Vikings do. But hey, like in the ultimate mock draft, I got Trent McDuffie at pick 30 after trading up back from the second round, like trading back into the first round. Um, that would be awesome value. So like, I still have him very comfortably as a first round player, but not quite saucer stingly. Um, the next guy I want to talk about is Andrew Booth. This dude is, I really struggled with this guy. He's very boomer bust. And I went back and forth on him a lot. And I don't mean boomer bust in the way that Stingley is boomer bust where, well, what if his foot never heals, but I think his foot is healed. Pro day kind of shows us that. Or what if, you know, he, he doesn't care about football, like where there's these kind of question marks that would totally sink him. Um, Booth is boomer bust play to play. He's very YOLO. He's a reckless corner. Um, where he is jumping a lot of routes. He's very aggressive with how he positions himself. This isn't like Trevon Diggs, where he's um, jumping routes. It's sort of similar, but it's not Trevon Diggs. Where Je Trevon Diggs is backing off of routes and trying to intercept everything, and he's like playing zone and jumping. Um, you can have Booth do that, and I think he actually has the mentality to kind of do that role. Um, but it's more that he's very direct in terms of he wants to be tight to you and in an exploitable way. He's very aggressive with how he turns and runs and, and tries to like get sticky with you. Um, and he doesn't he, like Stingley is patient. Andrew Booth is impatient. And I think even though he played at Clemson, he played at Clemson and he didn't exactly see the biggest slate of wide receivers at Clemson. Um, and he had like a Bilkentoff winner when he played Pitt once. There are a few kind of scattered there throughout his, his tape, but mostly he ended up um, going up against lesser wide receivers. There's a competition level concern, despite being at Clemson, just because of who he matched up, happened to match up with. And those guys were unable to punish that aggression. NFL corners will be able to do it. So that's my chief concern with Andrew Booth. And here's the deal. 
either you try to work that out of him and get him to play less confidently, and that could ruin him entirely because his confident mentality is who he is. This dude is an absolute dog. He's a street fighter. I said he has perfect cornerback brain. He has the exact mentality I want a corner to have. So if I'm going to try to get him to be less aggressive, I risk losing that, and I don't necessarily know if I want to do that. So I kind of want to take Booth as he is and just say, okay, I now have a corner who's really boomer bust, who, who might get you know fooled, might get run away from sometimes, but also might really, really frustrate guys and, and draw a 15-yard penalty, you know? One habit I would want to get into him if I, if I took him over and I was a DB coach is that he sits a little too far back in his backpedal, so his weight gets behind him, and he actually has some trouble losing his balance. People have described his hips as stiff. I don't know if they are athletically. I think that it's that he loses his balance a little bit because he sits too far back in his backpedal, and that's something you can drill out after, over time. Um, but for me, uh, oh, and I should probably mention, he has absolutely face-melting hustle plays. Like, this dude is, the, like, all motor, and it rules. Like, I don't think he's the co cornerback... I think he's my fifth cornerback, like, ranking-wise, but he's kind of my favorite <laughs> because he's such a dog. And he's got all these crazy hustle plays where he's chasing down runners from across the field and taking angles like a free safety. Um, he's got all these plays. He has this crazy downhill trigger. Like, if you're going to throw, like, a swing pass his direction, he's got all these plays where he just blows up the wide receiver that's supposed to be blocking him and makes a TFL or, or makes the big tackle and stuff. He's very physical, and he's got good man instincts and stuff. He's a good corner. He is a borderline first-round corner to me. Um, it's just... He's so reckless and aggressive, and I, you just have to decide how you want to handle that. If you want to try to, to work that out of him, know that you're risking him busting out entirely. And if you don't want to work that out of him, which I don't, you could just got to know that he's going to give up some big plays, and that's just going to be who he is in the league. And you just kind of have to take that package as a whole and say, it's still probably worth, I have him as a high second round pick, and, and it's still probably worth that top 40 player. Absolutely no shade there. Before I move on to the last two guys I'm going to talk about, um, let me talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is absolutely delicious, best tasting protein bar on the planet. Some of these corners could use a Built Bar or two because some of these guys have really lean frames. That's one of the knocks on sauces that he's got a lean frame. I don't really care about it. But hey, maybe you could down a couple Built Bars. 17 grams of protein in one of these bad boys, just four grams of sugar, 130 calories, great for a late night snack or a, or a post-workout um, that won't knock you off your diet. And it tastes like a candy bar. They even have their Built Puffs, which tastes like marshmallow covered in chocolate, like a, a cinnamon churro one that's really good. There's a key lime pie one that tastes like you're eating meringue covered in chocolate. It absolutely rules, and it's not going to knock you off the wagon. So head on over to Built.com, enter promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you can get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. So there's two more guys that I want to talk to you about. The first one is uh, Kair Elam out of Florida. Today, I decided to make him my fourth cornerback over Booth. That is a decision I just made. Um, so what I really like about Elam, and what really jumps out to me is he's very communicative. Watch him pre-snap. He is the one making the calls. He's the one calling out things to his teammates. He's the one communicating. And he's the outside corner. That's not common for outside corners. A lot of time, that's the apex corner or the safety, or that's the uh, or that can be a linebacker. But it's the he was like running the defense. Um, so that is a really, really good sign for me that he knows his routes. And I think he has good route recognition. Um, and he has really good recovery 
He has some eh habits. He, he does what's called opening the gate a little bit too early sometimes. And what that means is you're a corner and you're sitting there, you're in your kind of um, backpedal press sort of hunched over posture. Um, opening the gate is when you stand up and turn your hips. And once you've stood up and turned your hips, the wide receiver kind of has control of you. And so you can't do that too early before their route break, right? You have to do that once they've committed. Um, and if you do it too early, it can be a bad thing, but he has the athleticism and, and recovery to like Trey Waynes would do that too early all the time, but he was so gosh darn fast. He could get back and at least try to make a play on the ball. Right. And his bad ball skills would come up then. Um, and I think Elam has a similar thing where like he can get away with some bad habits because he has good recovery. He has very sticky instincts. Um, he's really aggressive about staying like tight to routes. I think he'd be super, super sick in a man match scheme, which is not what the Vikings would be running. They'll be running zone match, which is similar enough where I think he'd still be a really good fit. I really like Kair Elam as like a trade down target as like, if you're going to trade down, like with the chiefs go down to like 30 or something, see if he's there or even down to, you know, the twenties. Um, he is, his favorite move is what I will call soft press. And I called it soft press. Some people call soft press something else, but what I'll call a soft press is you line up and press. You're not bailing out, but you're not using your hands. You're just using the alignment and kind of body presence to influence the route. And if they try to go through you, you'll use your hands and you'll fight a guy off. But a lot of times it forces receivers to, to, um, declare where they're going to be. They need to release outside you or inside you, and then he can choose his technique accordingly. There's a lot of coverages in um, quarters coverage, and quarters coverage applies to quarter, quarter, half, like what the Fangio style thing will do. So there are coverages in what I think the Vikings will run where you can really, really take advantage of that information. If he releases outside of me, I kind of know what the play is going to be. I know what I need to do. Um, and especially when receivers would release outside of him from that soft press alignment, he was really good at just turning around, getting a hand on him, influencing them, or just using the hand to kind of stay tight to him. Um, not holding or anything, just hand like contacting him. That's totally legal. And um, then being able to turn around, make a play on the ball. He's really, really good at that. If you tried to release outside me and get a go ball down the sideline, that's like his favorite thing for you to do against him. And it comprised a lot of his targets and a lot of his pass breakups. And I believe even an interception or two. He does have, I could, it's not easy to find. I don't think he does it very often, but he does have a jam where he can just punch you in the face, right? Or punch you right in the shoulders and really disrupt you and be more aggressive about it. Um, and so that's also really exciting. Here's the reason he is probably closer to a low, late first, early second type. He has the grabbies and he's got it bad. You know, I talked about sauce and Stingley have a little bit. He has it bad. He's going to get flagged if he does not fix this problem. This is something you have to address immediately in training camp. Um, I'm not too worried about doing that though. Like put the boxing gloves on him. He'll be fine. Right? Like that's something you can absolutely drill out of a guy. And it has been drilled out of plenty of cornerbacks in, in the past. Um, but also I also can kind of feel like I solved this problem. If I just ask him to use that jam more, you know, and say, Hey, you just punched that dude in the shoulders really well. And you didn't have to grab because you ruined his timing entirely. He couldn't release on you and you could just stay in his pocket all day. Do that and just be that guy. And, um, I think he has the instincts and the smarts to use that kind of aggression and to trust that he's using it, that he's deploying it at the right time and not be hesitant. I like Kair Elam's prospects to become the corner he's supposed to be. Like of all of these sort of first-ish round guys that aren't super blue chip like Stingley and Sauce, he's the guy to me that feels like he's the most likely to realize who he is as a who he looks like he can be. 
And I, I think he's falling because he has the most glaring singular problem in, in the grabbies, in, in the holding penalty stuff that won't get called in college, but will get called in the pros. Um, but that's, I think, a really solvable problem. And everything else, he's really, really set up to succeed. So I'd be very excited if they ended up with Kair Elam. I wouldn't take him. He's got too much assembly. I wouldn't take him at 12 or anything like that. But trade down late in the first round, and if he's still there, I would be very, very stoked to have him and to project him as cornerback one. Last guy I'm going to talk about is another Washington corner, Kyler Gordon. Um, Kyler Gordon suffers from the same thing Trent McDuffie suffers from where they play all this press bail and it's really hard to figure out who he is as a cornerback. But what we can see about Gordon, I like his route, uh, route recognition. He's very good at planting a foot and driving forward. But I, I noticed that was very smooth and some people don't like that and say that he's a little clunky about it. I didn't see those reps. Um, what I saw was somebody that made it look very effortless, um, and was able to really, get down, get going downhill quickly. And that's really helpful because when you're backpedaling off into a route, say it's a comeback or a curl or something like that, if you go too early, you die to a double move, right? If you go too late, they catch a 12-yard curl in front of you and you're Cameron Dantzler, which is what happened like all year for the last two years to all of our corners, right? So you have to make sure you time that right. And it's a lot easier to time that right when you know that stopping your backpedal, planting a foot and driving onto the guy is something that you can do very quickly. You can sort of commit more to that backpedal without giving up the ability to go drive on a curl route and break it up uh, or, you know, make a play on it, right? Um, I think he relatively knows what he's looking at. I think it's a little bit instinctive and I don't know. I, I, he feels it, but he doesn't know it maybe is the way to put that. Um, and so he can get fooled by that kind of stuff. And uh, the reason he's last on this list, and I've got him as a second rounder, and he's the only one I have as like, I am absolutely sure this guy is a second rounder, and if he goes in the first, it's a mistake. Um, he's the only guy in that list that I think that about. Um, and the reason is because he just has a lot of little things, and he doesn't have a glaring, one singular glaring issue like Kier Elam has, um, but his tackling's a little bit wonky. He kind of likes to dive for the ankles and he's not wrapping up. And that seems like it has to be built from scratch. Um, he's got some hip fluidity that isn't quite perfect. He's got, sometimes he'll bite too much on a route and it's a little perfect. And none of these things are glaring, but they add up and in totality. And that tells me he's a second round guy. To me, he is out of the box CB2. He just can come in, start right away, and be CB2. I don't want to have him, you know, shadow everybody's best corner, but I think he can be second corner on the other side of the formation. Um, and eventually, if he cleans up this or that, or he gets rid of some of his problems, maybe gets better at tackling, he can eventually become CB1. So I'm still very excited about him in the first couple of days. He can become a starter. Um, he just isn't there right now, and that's that's oh, that's okay. That's still a second-round pick, top 50 guy, plenty happy with him, would take him at 46 easily if we didn't take a corner in the first. So that's the six. Um, I, I wanted to get into Roger McCreary and Kobe Bryant. I think both those guys can be contributors early. But these are the six to me that check the box. The Vikings need a starting caliber corner. These are your six, I think, inarguably starting caliber corners that can come right onto the field and contribute, or at the very least compete with Cameron Dantzler and give him a run for his money, right? And, and potentially improve on that or rotate with him or something like that. Um, these are guys that immediately affect the group, that don't need a year to develop, that don't need time to figure it out. If you play them right and if you need it, they can be your guy immediately. And if you want to, with guys like Booth or McDuffie, you can sort of 
put him in the in the slow cooker a little bit and teach him something new and it's going to ruin him for a little bit but it'll, it'll be worth it on the other end you can if you want but you don't have to and that's the value so if the vikings don't come away with one of these six players i will be very disappointed i think they kind of have to um and i think it's very very likely that they will so again tomorrow uh we'll put up a show in the morning tomorrow that is like a, a cram session, sort of a review for everything we've talked about over uh, the last month or so. Tomorrow night, uh, when the pick actually happens, you'll find me on a bunch of live stuff. I'll be tweeting about it. Check it out at Luke Braun NFL. Friday morning show will go over round one. Saturday morning show will go over day two. And Sunday morning show will go over day three. Monday morning show will go over the undrafted class and uh, recap the whole thing. So that's the plan for all of this. I am super excited to get into it with you guys. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.